0: I'd like for you to turn to the Book of Ecclesiastes, chapter three. The text tonight is really uh, verse eleven, instead of twelve. Verse eleven, verses eleven through fifteen, and that'll be where we are. A long time ago, in a galaxy far away, begins. Three of the most popular movies in the history of the movie industry. Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, Close Encounters. And you can spend a couple of hours in a movie, in a theater, in this movie, and escape into this faraway galaxy, into this fantasy land of science fiction and fantasy. Being earthbound has its limitations. One limitation of being earthbound is that we're held by the force of gravity, so we're always here. Another limitation of being earthbound is that we're completely unaware of that world out there beyond us. And if there is a galaxy where Darth Vader and Han Solo, you know, operate, or characters like them, Uh, We'll never see it because we'll never be there. Maybe vicariously through the eyes of an astronaut will we get beyond this earth existence. Um, Bill Irwin, James Irwin uh, did, one of the astronauts, and he has written an article entitled Life Outside the Planet Earth. And he says this unique statement. Listen to this. He said, One morning we floated over to a window and watched the earth rise. You think about that. I've seen the sun rise. One morning we floated over to a window and watched the earth rise. And that earth rise was not some trick photography that went on behind some film set. It was what was happening out in that place outside planet earth. Another limitation of being earthbound is that we are destined to a dull routine, a regimented lifestyle, a dull, monotonous routine. Even if you have traveled a great distance, maybe you've traveled in other countries, you'll probably never see very much that's really brand new. And so we sit in the movies and we love these fantasy worlds that helps us escape this earth-bound existence. But the book of Ecclesiastes brings us back to reality. For this is the way it really is on planet earth. This is no um, dreamed-up book. You'll not find any imaginary characters in the book of Ecclesiastes. This is the way it really is. For this is a journal of a man in search of life and meaning under the sun. A man's quest for meaning and fulfillment. And he comes to the conclusion in chapter 1 that life is empty. Vanity of vanities, he says, all is vanity. For the reality of this planet Earth is the reality of drug abuse and sleepless nights of hate and rape and murder and theft and jail sentences and broken lives, it's a horrible life under the sun. It's all empty. It's a chasing the wind. And when it comes down to it, life in its best is just a cycle of boring endlessness where you work hard so you can make money, so you can spend it, so you can make some more money, so you can spend that. Not even pleasure satisfies. There's no density to it. It's like cotton candy. It's like soap bubbles. All falls flat without God. For life on planet earth without God is the pits. You know why it is? Because God made it that way. To be like that. There is a God-formed vacuum that only God fits. I was watching the Olympics and I, uh, I saw, um, uh, what was the, what's the diver's name? Percy. Yeah, Luganus. I saw Luganus do that uh, inward triple in the tuck position and wrap his head on the, on the springboard. Did you see that? reminded me of a few years ago, just four or five years ago in Canada, this Canadian did the same thing from the, from the platform. And he hung perilously between life and death for days before he died. And I thought, what about this boy, his father? Must have flown from Russia to Canada to be with his son. And, you know, if he's like the rest, you know, like 99 and 4,400% of the Russians, no, no place for God. Excluded from life is God. Atheism. Is the way of life there? And I wonder what is there to sustain fathers who wait for their sons to die if there is no place for God? There has to be some other perspective, some other dimension that will make life fit together and have some meaning. I mean, not just some fantasy from some galaxy far away, not some dreamed up world. There must be some new dimension that fits life together and gives it meaning. All of a sudden, the author of the book of Ecclesiastes begins to see the door open just a little bit. You can almost hear the hinges squeak as the door begins to crack and light begins to flood in. And into that light steps the living God. And that's what verses 11 through 15 are about. And he discovers something there in this flash of insight on his way in search of meaning in life as God suddenly steps into his existence, into his life. He discovers some things, two or three things about God. First of all, he discovers what God has made. Two things, verse 11. He has made everything appropriate in his time. He has also set eternity in their hearts, so that, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. He found out two things about God. Watch this. He found out that God makes everything beautiful in its time. Everything beautiful in His time. We like to quote and hold to and believe God makes all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. It doesn't say that everything is good. It says God makes all things good work together for good. My mother used to make chocolate cake from scratch. And she get it out here, a little chocolate here. you got your bacon soda here. Get this recipe. you got your flour here, your raw eggs here, a little salt here. And each of these, in each of those ingredients in themselves, were not good. But in her time, and in her sovereignty, makes those put those things together and made this delicious, moist devil's food cake. Now you may not see God in His time with regard to a particular thing that troubles you tonight but you can go to the grave with the confidence that He makes that beautiful in His time. Your loss, listen to this, your loss, your heartache, your brokenness, your failed marriage, your illness, even your terminal illness, God makes everything beautiful in His time. And he didn't mean everything. He didn't say everything if he didn't mean it. He makes everything beautiful in his time. For in the sovereign work of God, he puts it all together and makes it appropriate. He said, secondly, that he sets eternity in our hearts. What he's saying is this, that God makes everybody curious about the end. He makes humanity the type that he has to see beyond this. He wants to see the result of this. He wants to see more than just today. And it is because of that curiosity that God has placed in man. He is able to understand the end, the end. Now I've got Precious the Wonder Dog over my yard tonight. In the morning, the sun will come up and she'll be perfectly happy, but she'll not be concerned about, you know, what's going to happen at the end of the day or what. The result of the day will be. She might check out her Alpo dish a couple of times, but that will be about the extent of it. You and I, God has set eternity in our heart. And that's, this is what that means. It means that man has been given the ability to hope. And he has a curiosity in him to, to find out what, this, what is the end of this. If there is a sunrise, there must be a sunset. If there is an earth rise, there must be an earth set. If there is an earth beginning, there must be an earth ending. And if I'm not ready, if I have life without God, I'm not ready for the ending. So He gives me that curiosity about everything without which I may never find God. That's what God makes. He found out what God gives for things. The next two verses. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. God gives four things. Watch this He gives the ability to rejoice, to enjoy life regardless. Now I'm not talking about happiness which is, which, which is based upon situations so that if the circumstance is good, I'm happy. It's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about he gives us the ability to rejoice regardless of what happens. There's nothing in him more wonderful than the ability to rejoice. The ability to, be, to have joy regardless of what happens. Oh, there are little spurts of happiness, little perks. But have you, have, you ever, do you ever, have you ever met a man without God who rejoices continually? Neither have I. I heard about a man whose business was eating a hole in his gut, ruining his family, destroying his health. One night on the way home from church, after the preacher had talked about turning everything over to God, even your business, he drove up in the driveway, he bowed his head before he went in the house, and he said, okay, God, this business is killing me. It's ruining my life. I'm going I'm to turn it over to you. From this night forward, this is your business. About 1 o'clock in the morning, telephone rang. The fire, the, the police called. The fire, firemen were down there. His business was burning to the ground. He got in his car and he went down there. His friends were there. Everybody was consoling him. He was just, you know, laid back and perfectly happy. Somebody said, why aren't you, you know, upset about this? I mean, look, this thing's going down. That's what he said. He said earlier tonight, about three hours ago, I gave my business to God. If he wants to burn it down, it's his business. You say that can't be done. I say it can I'm looking into the faces of some people tonight who do not worship their business, whose God is not their vocation. I'm looking into the faces of some people tonight who have found the ability to rejoice regardless of the circumstance because they've turned their children, their business, their marriage, their life over to God. And He gives the ability to rejoice. Secondly... He gives, he said, the ability to do good in your lifetime. The ability to do good in your lifetime. I have never met a person who has not said to me, I wish I could, I'd like to do good. And everybody I have ever encountered who has done bad has said, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I could have done good. He gives the ability to do good in your lifetime. He gives the heart for it. He gives the ability for it. He gives the ability for you to make a contribution in your lifetime. Third, now some of us are not too excited about this. He gives you an appetite. <clears throat> he gives you an appetite to eat and drink, he said. Now, most of us count a good appetite as a curse. <laughs> you know, oh, I wish I didn't have such a good appetite. I've said that a thousand times. I wish I had the willpower to go on a diet. I'd like to be skinny one of the greatest blessings of life is the ability is an appetite is a, is a desire for food and drink I'm talking about that that health that's going on inside of you it seems to me that it's related because healthy people seem to have a greater perspective about God fourth He gives the ability to see good in all things. You see, we look at the fuzzy cocoon. He sees the beautiful butterfly. He gives the ability to see good in all things. So you put your finger on the place and hold it, and I want you to turn with me to the little epistle of James. And we're going to look at verse 17 of chapter 1. James 1, 17. Every good thing bestowed... And every perfect gift is from where? Say it. Above. Every good thing bestowed. And every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. You know what he means there? He means that you and I change, but God never does. He, can, he only is good. It means that you and I can turn, but God never turns. That there there's shadows that come across our life because of the shifting uh, nature of man. There are no shadows that come with Him because He never changes. And whatever He does, it's always good. I wish that there was one thing. If somebody asked me, what would be the one thing you would like to leave behind as a minister? It would be this, I would like to leave this behind, that God is good even when it seems like He isn't. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights. And there is no shadow of turning. Whatever He does is good. Now He gives us the ability to see good in everything. Not long ago, I sh- sat and counseled with a with a young p- friend. Um, his wife has great depression, and they um, uh, they're so unhappy together she he's not unhappy with her she's unhappy with him, their relationship and uh, life is pretty tough for him as he tries to to hang in there as a follower of Christ is what he said he said the thing that keeps me going is this prayer every day God help me to see what you want me to see in this help me to learn what you want me to learn from this and he said you know every day that comes and everything that happens I can always see, you know, God bringing something good out. I can see good in it. He gives us that ability. All right? What God has made, what God does, uh, what God gives. Now, finally, what God does. I want you to look with me at 13 or 14. I know that everything God does will remain forever. Put that down, underline that there is nothing to add to it and there's nothing to take from it for God has worked that men should fear him that which is has been already and that which will be has already been for God seeks what has passed by that confuse you thoroughly what God does now there are four things he says there. two have to do with the equality of God, what God does, and two have to do with what God does, the action of it. All right? The first two. the quality. What God does, he says, is perfect. It remains forever. Now, After I'd get over the shock, if somebody said Amen, I would really pre, I would I would love it. It probably would give me a stroke, heart attack. But I just was certain that somebody would agree with that. If you want to do something that remains, that will last beyond your lifetime, you need to do something for God, because what He does. Thank you. I had to roll my own, but it was I, I got it. What what God does remains forever. Now, the psalmist said, "Establish thou the work of my hands, the work of my hands. Establish thou it." The cry of every person is, "There ought to be something about my life that outlasts me." I'd hate to think that, that I'd live my life and leave nothing that had any, you know, that that would that would not li- outlive me. Whatever God does, it remains. Secondly, whatever God does, He does thoroughly and completely. Look at that. He says there's nothing to add to it. There's nothing to take from it. He does it thoroughly and He does it completely. That means that God never does too much and He never does too little. Now look look at what that means. It means that God is not going to spoil you. What He gives you is just what you need now God knows that I, I couldn't handle prosperity because if I got prosperity you know I couldn't handle it so he's not going to spoil me with prosperity he hadn't up to this point <laughs> he, he you know and, and some of us feel like we're getting a you know a, a short-changed short end of the stick You know why? God's not going to spoil you. He knows what you can handle. But it also means this. It also means that God is not going to allow you more suffering than you can handle. Isn't that wonderful? He's he's not going to do too much and not going to do too little. So that whatever comes your way, you know you can handle it. Because God's not ever going to give you more than you can handle. He's thorough and He's complete. He never gives too much and he never gives too little. All right, Two things about what God does. First of all, he says that what God does is the work that causes men to fear him. Look at what he says. He says, and has so worked that men should fear him. That word means reverential awe. Now this is what, what he's saying. He's saying what God does is such that when man sees it, he says, wow. He, he's he's in awe of it. He's in awe of it. He's thrilled by it, for what God does is beyond man's ability, you see. And secondly, in that complicated verse fifteen, what he's saying is this: that God will patiently repeat what He's doing until you learn, till you get it, till you learn the lesson. He just keeps on teaching. He just keeps on doing it till you catch on. He keeps on doing it till you get it. What has been, what is now, has already been. And what he means is, he just keeps on bringing by, bringing by what he wants you to learn until one day the light comes on. Now watch what. Watch this. I want you to get this principle, and I hope you'll write it down. Until we have learned a lesson from a crushing experience. We'll meet that experience again at another time with another face. Until we learn till we have learned a lesson from a crushing experience, we'll meet that experience again at another time just with another face. Now watch this. You've had an unhappy marriage and you didn't learn a lesson from that? You'll have You'll have another unhappy marriage until you learn the lesson from it. You you had a crushing failure and loss. If you didn't learn something for that, you'll have another one just like it. Just has a different face. It takes place at another time till you learn a lesson from it. And some people just go from church to church, you know, looking for some kind of meaning in life, some kind of an answer. But you'll have one unhappy experience after another unhappy experience until you learn the lesson you're supposed to learn from the experience. Does that make any sense? I mean, that's just as real as this pulpit. That happens all the time. All right, two practical applications under the title Life from God. Get these, please. life come life from god comes from outside this galaxy not from within it life from god comes from outside this galaxy and not from within it you say what in the world does that mean well in the day of humanism in this age of humanistic philosophy we are told that there is a little god in everybody and there's a little bit of god in everything life that comes from God comes from outside you and where you are second this is important life from God is a supernatural power now not a vague force that is attached or bound to some past age. Life from God is a supernatural power in the now. God makes available now supernatural power. A few years ago, um, when I was traveling in the Northwest, I took my family down to Cooley Dam. It's out in, it's, it's kind of in over on the... Uh, you have the Cascades, beautiful place, where the Columbia River comes down that, in that section that divides eastern and from western Washington. One of the most gorgeous places in the whole wide world, as a matter of fact. And, it, and at Cooley Dam, um, there are these huge turbines, you know, that, where they make electricity, big as this building, ministerially speaking. And uh really, really are these, these generators that, that are huge you could put barely get it in this room there were several of them grinding and turning and this roar that was incessant and and behind this dam was this water you know uh, and all this energy and power and and it was being generated with these big huge turbines turbines but you don't you know that that power all the power that's Generated there. Nobody, you know, you, you don't, it's not of any value. But you go over to the little um, village called Cooley, Washington. We built a church there. And you walk into a house and you reach over and you flip a switch and a light comes on. A light that removes darkness, that dispels the darkness. And you understand that that power that's out there. That you can't see is working in reality there in the dark. In a faraway galaxy uh, outside this earth, there is a power that's available to every one of us to bring light to our darkness. And that power is made available to your faith, to your faith. A supernatural ability. The supernatural power to live in the present, available to your faith. Let's pray together. God, help us to discover you tonight. What you give, and what you make, what you do. Let us cast ourselves upon you, Father, in faith, that your power might meet our need. My prayers that in our search for the meaning of life, we'll find that meaning in you. For I ask in Jesus' name and pray this for his sake. There might be some tonight who need to come claiming, professing their faith in Jesus Christ. This is the invitation for you to do that. And there might be some who need to come tonight to join the church, to recommit your life to Christ and the rededication of your life, re resurrendering of your life to Him. As the invitation comes for you to, as we sing, if we ask you to come, so would you stand with me? If God invites you today, you'd come right now.